0: I did not expect that. (laughs) Keep that yawn in, Sarah. (laughs) I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. Oh, yeah, you got it. (laughs) Finally. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping
1: questions, poppy bottles, and pop culture. This week on Pop It, we recap muralist Allison Bamcat's workshop with a group of Worcester Public School middle school students. We also discuss this year's most surprising September issues and take a moment to draw some parallels between two recent profiles, Harry Styles for Rolling Stone and Brad Pitt for GQ. I'm so excited. Me too. So I guess the easy way to put it is... Pow Wow is this wonderful mural festival that we have every summer, and this year we had some last-minute sponsorships come through that allowed us to bring artists just to go to schools. And I know you have one still working at your school right now, It right? just –
0: I think he just finished Monday, Eamon Gillen, He even let you get out
1: there and do some fill with yes. a spray can.
0: Friend to all, Eamon. Yes. He's wonderful. Um, yeah, he really, like, spruced up – he just, like, beautified our back wall – Mm-hmm. And he did a great job. He made it really interactive. He made it super kid-friendly. Um, the kids were really, really excited about it.
1: Yeah. Nice. I After you left the other day, Sam Bonacci, who's the one of the marketing people for Pow Wow, showed up with a whole carload of chalkboard paint. So we chalkboarded one of the cars. Yep. Have the kids been able to color on it at all? It
0: is covered. <laughs> oh, good. It's covered in chalk. You're There's supposed not... to cover right. it anyway. It that's perfect. Great. Yep. Um, but they, yeah, they were super excited about that in particular.
1: Nice. Yeah. And I had bird cap Michael Roy at my school and I profiled him or did a nice Q&A for Worcester Mag this week. He spoke to some of my students as well. And he took an ancient mythological scene, you know, from Greek mythology. And I like the way he put it. He said, I made it chunky and cartoonish and it looks so good. Wonderful. <laughs> he also – I got to do some of the fill for him up on the lift with Eamon and um, get my hands dirty. So that was fun.
0: Yes. And it's funny. I literally sprayed for like one minute and I was like, oh, my hands Yeah, are- you literally get your hands dirty and you don't <laughs> even or realize do. it's happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. They're pretty painty.
1: Yes. in a word. <laughs> Jake Merton in particular, he was here. He does all – anime style murals and he did his second wall at clark street he's from chicago but he was in town last year he came back this year and he was alongside a wonderful woman named allison (laughs) bamcat
0: allison bamcat worcester residents may recognize her name because she designed a crowler right yeah redemption rock i i always forget the word crowler, and i really happy I remembered it as I was saying it this time because I'm like, a, ca- a giant can.
1: Yes, that's yes. a good description. I was <laughs> say, Molly, explain a crowler. It yes, is. it's a giant can yes. of beer from a brewery. Right,
0: so you would get a growler from maybe other breweries. hmm But, yes, uh, she designed a wonderful crowler for Redemption Rock. It was really fun. Yeah, and because crawlers are sealed, they
1: ostensibly keep, you know, the beer a little bit fresher for mm-hmm. longer if you get it on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, So Allison painted at Clark Street School, and that is a school with 94% high-needs students. And when I say high-needs, I mean these are students with disabilities. They might be English language learners, low-income students who are eligible for free and reduced lunch. And she came to speak at my school where we have 72% high-needs students. And that was, you know, the most recent numbers. I think it's constantly climbing. And um, we had looked at some of the numbers, and we noticed that there was a trend at Clark Street where she painted 48% of the students were below the state average when they were talking about a speaker's feelings in literature. And so we decided to kind of take huh. that and play on it and talk about the tone of artwork, the feelings that an artist pours into Point it. Point
0: of view. Absolutely. For, and this is what we would say at like the like primary or intermediate level.
2: Mm -hmm. The
1: author's
0: point of view. That's right. And we
1: looked at characterization as well at the middle school. 21% of our eighth graders were below the state average for characterization questions on the test. So we thought, okay, how can we get them really invested in these muralists and teach them, like, it's not just about the work, whether Mm -hmm. it's a book or it's a painting. It's it's about the person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The person behind that work. And, like, how we can relate to each other and use art or literature or whatever to – empathize and see pieces of each other
1: absolutely and so we are lucky in worcester one of the like industry publications for art teachers is called school arts magazine It's actually published out of davis publications in worcester it's in the same building as technicopia and arts worcester right and so they allowed me to write the cover story for school arts magazine this week and that's uh, yeah it's like a national magazine i've never done anything this big before and
0: it was all about the curriculum that Allison helped me teach in the last week. I just want to correct you because you said they allowed me, and I feel like it was more like they invited you, right? Yeah, say they allowed, like they invited you to because for a reason, Thank because you. of a reason, Sarah.
1: Oh, that means a lot. I was so excited. <laughs> in the the photo inside the magazine is this big two page spread, and it's Jake Merton's mural, and he was in town last week, so he was so pleased yeah. too. Um, We sent them home with a copy to Chicago. To Chicago. Chicago. (laughs) So we're going to hear a bit from Allison. And keep in mind that these kids had all just gone through these workshops on characterization and tone. You won't actually hear any of their voices just for privacy's sake, but you're going to hear some of her responses. And in this first part, she's introducing herself and talking a little bit about um, what she chose to paint on the wall. Mm.
2: My mom's coming on Sunday come see the mural that I'm painting over um, at the Clark Street Elementary School for Powwow Worcester. So I got invited to come paint, and I'm painting a big uh, flamingo.
1: Okay, so Molly, if you're going to describe this mural, it's definitely a flamingo. It's devious. It's a devious flamingo. Yes. Look at the feathers, too. They like cross-section into a rainbow, and they almost look like tabs or... Um,
0: Are you... We recording.
1: Yeah, we are recording. Oh, sorry, <laughs> they they almost look like bristles or something on um. Yes, like,
0: cleaning. I was to say they look like a mop. Yeah, a mop. Right. right, a cleaning they look device. Like a mop. <laughs> a mop. I just love it. I just love this flamingo's expression. Yeah, you said devious Stanley. Is
1: that what we're naming him? Sure,
0: he's devious, Allison. Yeah, I hope you don't looks, mind. He looks like <laughs> devious and skeptical. He reminds me a little bit of a character on BoJack Horseman. I don't know if you've seen Bojack Horseman. It's one of those – it's a Netflix animated show, but um, animals live amongst humans and just, like, interact like normal. And there's uh, several characters. I don't even think it's one in particular, but his expression, Stanley,
1: mm-hmm. is
0: very, like, reminiscent of that, which I love. <laughs> Well, she paints a lot of
1: cutesy characters and animals that have monstrous qualities. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like these little fluffy monsters. In this case, the flamingo is like a beautiful,
0: friendly, gorgeous animal, but yeah, he looks tough and he's giant. So like he's almost like a um, in Japanese like monster films, they're called kaiju's, ah. the big giant monsters. So he's like a kaiju flamingo. I love it, which is very cool. So the kids all wanted to know who her favorite artist was. And
1: she obviously said Frida. Um, What are your thoughts on Frida?
0: I love Frida Kahlo. Um, I love her as an artist in the way that her art encompasses every single facet of her life, her political opinions. Like for her, her art was was politics and it was beyond just like artistic expression. It was political expression and activist expression. I'm a little... Bothered. I guess there's been like some commodification lately of her kind of her work and her aesthetic. Like I saw like Frida Kahlo branded lipstick at CVS and that bothers me a little bit. She was extremely anti-capitalist. So I'm like, oh man. But I do think that like exposure is great. People should be exposed to her
2: work. Mm-hmm.
0: That's how, I, that's how I feel, Sarah. <laughs> well, when
1: Allison said this, the kids had this recognition. And I think part of it was we were, you know, in an art classroom. So some of them have been exposed to her work. But then others live in Great Brook Valley where Tony Peralta and Anguria just did a really beautiful mural featuring Frida Kahlo. Yes. And so they were like, oh, yes, I know who that is.
0: Yeah, she's sort of like the centerpiece mm-hmm. of that. It is. It's very cool. I
2: love Frida Kahlo because she does really surrealist kind of wacky bizarre composition all rooted in her life struggles um, and about her like growth as a woman and her you know life as a woman of color and growing up next to you know the people that she was around and being married to another famous artist so I really love how she kind of expressed her self-identity through kind of strange objects and the the juxtaposition of those um, along with the animals that she raised and the plants that she loved and her self-portraits,
1: of course. She talks a little bit about the mask that she wears, her respirator. And I just pulled up a picture for you, Molly.
0: It looks like Mad Max Fury Road. And I love it.
1: Yeah. She took a really simple mask that she needs as a safety precaution because of the spray paint fumes. And she turned it into a work of art. So it's like a work of art she
0: wears while creating a work of art. It really is. Um And it really looks. I'm gonna, I'm pulling up a picture for Sarah right now. You can't see, Mm -hmm. but it reminds me of this character. In more and Joe, he's the main villain in, um, yeah, in Mad Max Fury Road, and it's it's very reminiscent, but in like a much more whimsical way. It's, it's not as scary. This is terrifying,
1: and just like she kind of creates these whimsical little monsters. Mm-hmm. I can see it here. It's a beautiful color. It's bright. It matches her flamingo, but then it's got these huge monsters, yeah, like
0: teeth. scary teeth, and like this, like the nose, the skull, the skeleton, the skeletal nose. That's what I'm trying to say. Where it's mm-hmm. like missing creepy.
1: So I liked that. I mean, this is like a great way to make friends, right? You're walking around with a crazy mask. but she said she moved from California to Massachusetts and then back again and back again. And, um, the kids asked, how did you make friends? And she actually
0: started talking about how hard it is to make friends as an adult. Yeah. And that's something that like, I wish someone told me as a middle schooler, you have no idea. Because mm-hmm. when you're in middle
1: school, it's just like everyone's in the same class all day. Mm-hmm. So much of your friendships are out of convenience yeah. or consistency.
0: And even even like, I mean, college like is the same way.
1: Yeah. You're put in dorms. You're
0: put in dorms. Or the first or day together.
1: everyone wants to meet people because you're yeah. all new. Yep. But like we both just started jobs in new buildings. It's hard work. Yeah. Isn't it hard <laughs> like, work? Hello.
0: Hi, I'm the new girl. Um, yeah. I'm but, I'm trying to be cool. I want you to like me.
1: Right. Yeah. But then also I'm like going through the stress of starting
0: a new job. So yeah, I, it's, it's hard work. It is. It's hard. And also we have a friend who moved to Worcester from, I think the last place he lived was Ohio. And he, are we talking about RB? Here. RB. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. Um, and he got here and like he went to powwow because mm-hmm. a cab driver told him to, mm-hmm. and then he just, like, showed up and was like, hey, everyone, and now, like, he's everyone's friend because he – but he had to be very intentional about what he did. He, like, went places to meet people, mm-hmm. like, got contact information, and then was like, you're my friend now.
1: Right. And well, that's, that's hard. it. It is hard, and I think people appreciate it if you show up for them, and he's yes. the kind of guy if you ask him to show up. He does. Absolutely.
2: Um, I can actually pass around my, this is my respirator. I have to wear this when I paint because I will get sick from the spray paint fumes. You know how stinky spray paint is. Um, So if you guys want to check out my mask, you can. (laughs) I put these teeth on it so it doesn't look so like boring. My story is I actually grew up in Los Angeles and when I was 13, I moved to Boston to the South Shore huge culture shock. I went from having to wear like really strict uniforms in school every day to like wearing whatever I wanted. I think I showed up with like silver sneakers and leopard print pants and a a bucket hat on my first day of of seventh grade and was like, do I look, am I cool? This is what cool kids wear. So um, that was very interesting. But so to come all the way back to L.A. after living in Boston for 15 years Uh, I mean I was very scared Uh, I was like well I'm 31 and so I was about to turn 30 how do I make new friends in a new place and now we're adults so it's not like you have school to just go to like where you just run into people and you kind of get talking and I didn't know how to which art shows to go to or like yeah I was just really kind of worried about how to make friends and how to get people to see my artwork in a new place especially such a big one LA is a huge city And it's very, it's like New York City, you get like lost in the shuffle, so. So I was a little bit scared. It took me maybe six months to kind of get my confidence up and start talking to art galleries and other artists and making friends, but now I have like a really solid crew.
1: So she talks about one painting in particular, and I just pulled it up for you to see. It's called Bruhaha.
0: Yes. (laughs) And uh,
1: it's interesting. It doesn't look like a frightening painting again, but then when you take it, into account. It's this bird that's all wrapped up, like tied up and yeah. sitting in a cauldron. I was gonna say that the cauldron is the scary part to me. But the fire isn't red and terrifying, it's green. So it almost mm-hmm. looks like
0: grass or like a swamp. It looks like seaweed. Mm-hmm. But is the bird cooking itself? is what's creeping me out. Now,
1: (laughs) the pot is being stirred by a rainbow candy cane. The water is like this pink. And it looks uh, – is the bird bird taking like a bubble bath? or is it just like, is this a toucan hot hot tub? Is it boiling itself? And that's the eerie part about our work. It's so Mm two-sided, you know?
0: Uh,
2: What inspires me uh, for sure are experiences I've had in my life, um, the relationships that I have with other people, how I feel about other people. This painting, you guys can barely see, it's um, a toucan, but it has all these kind of ribbons wrapped around it. When I was leaving my job in Boston to move to LA, I felt like I was kind of being freed from a life that I had lived for a while and had tried. And it's only a ribbon, it's not like chains or anything. It wasn't like an unhappy life, but that I was kind of shedding, you know, like you know whatever I was kind of trapped in before and learning to get something.
1: So, Molly, she loves her mom, and she <laughs> talked to the kids a lot about how they would wear matching outfits.
0: Is that something you ever did? Not on purpose from my end. <laughs> uh, it is something that my mom has attempted on many occasions. Yes. Even just, like, if it's, like, similar, like, I'll be like, yeah, I think I'm going to wear, like, this outfit, like, for Christmas or whatever. And she'd, like, go get changed and come out and be like, this is what I'm wearing. And I'll be like, why are you also wearing a black and white striped <laughs> long sleeve shirt like what's happening here any piece of clothing my mom has that's like that would be like similar to something that i would wear she would like try to put it on of course we would go to like a a theater or like out to eat oh yeah you're young and hip well (laughs) i like the
1: relationship that they have and clearly her mom has been a huge force in her life
2: Uh my mom is like the best human i know uh she raised me as a single mom growing up. Um, we didn't have art classes in school when I was growing up in LA, so she actually brought me to art classes on the weekends uh, to encourage me to you know keep going. My my third grade teacher actually suggested that to her that I, I should uh, have some enrichment outside of school with art classes. So it was like the best thing ever. Uh, I remember looking forward to it all the time, and we wore like matching outfits. It was, like, the 90s, so we wore, like, turtlenecks with a shirt over it. Really cool. But, I mean, up till, like, now even, she comes to try to see every mural that I do in Massachusetts. She comments on every single Facebook post that I do. Like, um, if she had Instagram, I know she'd be on that, too, every minute of the day. So I'm really, really lucky to have so much support from my my mom. And also, uh, I'm married, and my husband is just, like, super rad.
1: So when she's creating these massive murals, she starts with a sketch. And she kind of, like, scared the kids by saying that if the sketch isn't perfect, she throws it away. And they had read that in some interview done with her in a publication in L.A. And they were like, are you supposed to make mistakes, you know? And so she kind of cleared that up. But what about you? Are you – if you're starting a new project and you make a mistake early on, do
0: you just start fresh? I I often do, yes. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because in a lot of aspects of my life, I'm not a perfectionist. Like, I'm not an on-time person. I'm late. (laughs) I, like, have trouble doing laundry in a timely manner. But there are certain things, like, especially if I'm making, like, a poster or something like that or, like, writing a card. Oh, my God, that's the worst if you make a mistake on, like, a card. I will will definitely go to fix it. And start fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess –
1: I muddle through a lot of the time. And then sometimes I realize that tenacity is one thing, but like you need to go into things with a plan. And mm. if your plan's not working, you have to be
0: flexible enough to yeah. change it. One of my favorite John Mullaney bits he talks about making a happy birthday sign. And he's, and and like every single person I've ever talked to about this was like, oh my God. And he talks about how you make a big ass A, <laughs> And then you're like, oh man, like A, I have to stack the Ps now. And then like, why? And then you like, you go down and you didn't learn your lesson and then you make a big ass B. And like, every time I think about that, that's A, me. And B, like, that's how I've crumpled up so many like posters or things like that where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man. Um, but it really like it's the same way. And I feel like one thing about her, I bet, thinking like she throws it away if it's not perfect is like what's her perfect, right? Mm-hmm. It's different for everyone.
1: Yeah, and we'll listen to the clip that follows as well. You know, She says your eye adjusts to the art that you're looking at. So if you're looking at beautiful artwork and your craft is increasing all the time,
0: then like your standards go up. It's like how reading makes you a better writer. Exactly. Mm. Uh,
2: I got to read the questions last night. I got a little sneak peek at them. And I actually stayed up for a little bit thinking about this. When I'm painting a mural or I'm making a painting, I'm really good at being flexible and fixing and changing things as I go. But I realize when, uh, when I start a sketch, if, like, the first line of that sketch is wrong, I'll just flip the page and do a new sketch. There's something about, like... If it's not right in the first initial, like, me getting it out of my brain onto the paper, if it's not vibing, then I'm not going to force it or I'm not going to try to play with those shapes, which is probably just me being picky. So I'll just start over and and I'll just sketch the same thing over and over again until I feel like I've gotten it right. If you keep drawing for a long time, you will improve because you're practicing. Like, no matter what you're improving, but at the same time your taste level and your ability to you know kind of decide what is a successful piece of artwork or what is impactful to you that that also improves but at a different pace so if you're looking at your own artwork and you think it looks bad it's because your taste level is much higher than it was 6 months ago when you were like maybe into a different you know kind of cartoons or something like that or or different types of books or illustrated pictures So sometimes you look at art better than you can draw it. And you have to kind of push through that and keep making until your art skills catch up to your taste level.
1: So the last questions the kids asked her had to do with Converse because she worked for Converse, the shoe company, for a long time. And, I mean, I think it's difficult as an artist to work with a big brand like
0: that. to reconcile, like, your expressive nature Mm -hmm. with whatever the parameters are that are set because inevitably there are going to be parameters set, right? Mm
1: -hmm. We all have different motivators too. And a real weakness for me is that like, my greatest motivator is to get credit for something. Yeah, I want people to be like, good job, you did this. And when you work for Mm. a brand
0: like that, you don't get design credit. Unless you're a big name, like if you are a celebrity, mm-hmm. right? If it's like Rihanna and Puma,
1: then they want you. Right. But if you're just, you know, a, a mildly, it's your job. Yeah, successful copywriter for Worcester Magazine. <laughs> it's interesting because there are things that I do, mm-hmm. like those clickbait lists. Sometimes yeah. they'll offer me enough money, and I'll say yes, I will write your top ten yeah. chicken wing list or whatever. <laughs> And my name doesn't go on it. And I'm okay with that. It's yes. the stuff that I really pour my heart and soul into. Yeah. That like, oh. I want the credit for. I know. And it's funny. My husband is so good about this. He always says, Sarah, like the greatest compliment in the world is to hear your boss say something that you said and take credit for it and like be so proud of your idea that they will claim it as their own and they'll take the fall if it doesn't work out. And I, I'm not that mature.
0: <laughs> I, I think, no, that's very hard for me too. And that reminds me of in the office when Michael did the golden ticket, but he accidentally put all of the golden tickets into one ream of paper. <laughs> so so one place found all of them. And it was like for free stuff.
1: So if they found a golden ticket, this paper company was going to give them a bunch of free right, things. Right, like this like
0: failing, flailing paper company. Yeah. And so basically Michael was like no Dwight it was Dwight's idea
1: ah, of course. because
0: it's a disaster but then it turns back around and the company is like so excited about it that they're like we're going to give you our business a mm-hmm. hundredfold and so then Michael is like steaming because he's yeah. like it was me all along <laughs> but he gave the credit away yeah. so That's it's like he's juggling like the all I- immature across the board mm-hmm. but he's juggling this like it's mine no it is not so I liked that
1: Allison talked about, I know you're talking about the warehouse of paper, but there's like a vault at Converse yeah. where the ideas go to die. Ah.
2: It was uh, very interesting. So when I got out of art school, uh, I took illustration as a major. And so then I got hired on to do print pattern for Converse. So, you know, obviously like black and white, we'd call them like chucks, but a lot of people have them. Uh, so I would do like leopard prints and superhero shoes and floral prints and pretty much whatever needed to be applied to the fabric on the outside of the shoe. So I did that for seven years. Um, I think of all the artwork that I created for them, maybe three to five percent of it actually made it onto a shelf and the rest I said got, went into the graveyard because they get to keep all your drawings. Like You don't get to put them anywhere, you don't get to take them home, they just belong to the company. So having all of this artwork that I had, you know, I mean, it's hard for me as, a, as an artist, me specifically, to draw something and not emotionally invest myself into it. Because I like drawing, and I love drawing. And if I did a drawing that I love, and then I show it to everybody, and they all will go, mm, and then it just disappears forever. It's like, it's like heartbreaking, you know? So having that heartbreak over and over and over and over again, I got a pretty thick skin, but it was still, like, really exhausting. So I'm like, no, but it was such a cool idea. And then a year later, you see somebody else did that idea, and it's already out, and you're like, no, I did that idea. So, but nobody knows. I think that was hard. Also, you can't put your name on any of your stuff. Nobody wants to buy a shoe with somebody else's name on it, even if it's the artist, unless it's, like, Tyler the Creator's.
1: Molly, would you buy shoes that say Tyler, the creator on them? Yeah, probably.
2: <laughs> I think you, I would.
1: Give me the rundown on who exactly Tyler, the creator is and why I would want his name on my shoes and not Allison Bamkatz.
0: Um Tyler, the creator is a is a young influencer. Well, that's not all he is. He's from um, Odd Future. Odd Future Wolfgang. O-F. Hold on. Wolfgang Puck? No. Uh, O-F. W-G. Was it fuck them all? F-K-A? Kill them all? Whatever. That he was in this rap collective when he was, like, 17 years old. It was, like, him and Earl Sweatshirt and all these other guys. They were, like, teens. And they were, like, they were electric. Like, they came up, like, I would say 2009-ish. And people just went absolutely crazy for them. Um, And then they kind of, like, all branched out. Very similar to a lot of, like, rap collectives, sort of, where they all sort of branched out and started doing their own thing. And Tyler, who's probably now, I'm, like, 28, probably, like, 25 – He started kind of becoming like an artist slash filmmaker. He still raps and he still makes music, but he's kind of branched out to all this other stuff and he does a lot of work for like Adult Swim on the Cartoon Network. And um, he's just one of those people that people kind of look to to be like, what's going on? Like cutting edge. I wouldn't even just say like cool or like trendy because that's not really him. He's more like he's out there. He's creating the trends. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny
1: you mentioned someone like that who's, like, new media savvy because I was looking at all the September issues that came out. Can you just explain why
0: is the September issue a significant thing? So it's – the September issue is when basically every artistic or, like, couture-level designer design house is showcasing their next, like, season in – Magazines like Vogue and InStyle and all of those things. So it comes out in conjunction with Fashion Week, too. Yeah. So it's like everything is being showcased. They're often – the September issue of Vogue is like it looks like a dictionary. Like it's Mm -hmm. so thick. I mean it's probably smaller now since like – Magazines are dying, <laughs> but but it's a
1: real status symbol. Yes. Now this year's is kind of a cop out because there were like twelve people on the cover. Right, it?
0: it is, and it's and and that it's drives me nuts. A huge but. deal. If you get a September issue, then you're like a big big star. So like, in there's a movie called The September Issue where Anna Wintour, who is the editor of Vogue, who Meryl Streep's character in The Devil Wears Prada is based on, she's famously hard to please. She's just you know she's very particular and she's successful because of that. But there's a they're taking pictures of Sienna Miller who's made the cover and she spends the whole time accusing Sienna of being toothy. Toothy, Too toothy, yeah. (laughs) And so it's like, but it's that kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, you made it, but then like, can you still reach her standards or the standard of the September issue? Right. Can you stay the golden child in,
1: in the eye of Anna Wintour? So exacting. Yes. Okay, so this year... There's definitely a divide. Now, I mentioned the new media people. Mm -hmm. Like, Jordan Woods is on the cover of Cosmo UK. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, and she is
0: a rising star, but she's also famous because she's adjacent to the Kardashians. Right. She's the one – Jordan Woods is the person who was basically accused of being a part of some of the strife between Khloe Kardashian and her husband, Tristan Thompson, her boyfriend. I don't know if they're married. Yeah. the father of chloe kardashian's child basically um american cosmo it's iggy azalea who is also like
1: rose to fame on youtube not relevant anymore either yeah and the pick the ringer was
0: saying the cover <laughs> is like so boring just a lazy photograph she's boring i am so sarah's catching me up on all this stuff because like i've been just kind of out of it Surpr- surprise, surprise. Year teacher yeah. yeah but um i'm i am Frankly taken aback that Cosmo was like, "I have an idea." Mm-hmm. Interesting. So more relevant, Winnie Harlow on. Oh yeah, L Canada. Yes. Um, she's Canadian. Mm-hmm. She rose to fame on Top Model, mm-hmm. and she um has. If you've seen her, you would remember her face. She uh, has vitiligo, so her skin is very um the tone the like tones of her skin are very stratified for like very light like white looking skin and then very dark black skin. Mm-hmm. Um but she's it, striking. They say that
1: models and beauty, it's it's tied to symmetry and there's just the symmetry in her face is so interesting, you know, and she carries herself with so much pride. She's a spokesperson. Yep. Um but yeah she's like that's a that's a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So those that's like the young guard and people mm-hmm. from reality television, from social media. And then on Elle, we've got Angelina Jolie. On Harper's Bazaar, we've got Celine
0: Dion. And mm-hmm. in style we've got Julianne Moore. All about uh, Celine Dion, I just want to say. I love her very much.
1: I know. There's nothing wrong with this. I just thought it was an interesting – you've got the old guard and the new yeah, guard. for sure.
0: And I'm trying to think, too. Like, Angelina, I'm surprised because she had been very quiet following – her separation and divorce from Brad Pitt. And she must have a movie coming out. Well, it's funny you mentioned Brad Pitt because he has a GQ profile right now that has made
1: a lot of waves. Yeah. And I don't think it would have been as relevant had this Rob Sheffield piece on Harry Styles not just come out. And again, it's like this old guard, new guard kind of parallel between the two. And yeah. in, in many ways, I felt like they were a foil mm-hmm. to one another. You've got like this carefully curated article with Brad Pitt yeah. and um, the, the writer – Oh, who is it? Sorry, I wrote it down. I
0: was to say, I feel like I he has
1: very little access. Oh, Zach Baron. Mm. So oh, they're Zach's like great. sitting in a house during the photo shoot. It's just the two of them, but Brad Pitt selects the location because it's significant architectural design oh or my something. God, so boring. They're alone. <laughs> yeah, he never missteps. He's so seasoned when it comes to press. Yes. And then you've got Harry Styles riding around with Rob Sheffield doing mushrooms. He, like, loses his wallet in the sand while he's recording his album. Yeah, a person.
0: Yeah. Um, It is interesting. And I actually just saw Brad Pitt. I didn't, like, see the whole episode because, like, who has time to watch a whole episode of a TV show? But he was on Ellen DeGeneres. And I've never – I don't think I've ever seen him on a show like that before because he's, like, in this level. So, like, people like George Clooney are – elite but they are very accessible mm-hmm. and that's like one of his best friends but I think like I think of someone like Brad Pitt even Angelina Jolie Leonardo DiCaprio they don't make those appearances be often or at all because they're just like my work speaks for itself a lot of them have that mm-hmm. attitude so I saw him I think and I it's interesting that you say how carefully curated his interview was I haven't read that one yet I've read the Harry one but he is so stepping so carefully right now because he his image was, frankly, a little bit tarnished mm-hmm. after his divorce and, like, some stuff that came out about his, like, alcohol and or drug use or just, like, the way that he was interacting with his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now he's taking advantage of what happened – or not what happened, but um, his sort of, like, redemption arc from um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got to climb back into stardom. The good – or and just, like, the good side, right? Like right. people want us people want to see Brad Pitt as like the Brad Pitt they know who's like a cool laid back guy. Mm-hmm. But that's not really what you're describing, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, okay, so he has this new film. I think it's called
1: Ad Astra. Ad Astra. Yes, I'm so excited. And they say he gives <laughs> the most raw performance he's ever given in his life and probably because it was filming right when mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie filed her divorce papers and he famously says like You know, I shouldn't have wasted my youth chasing all of these roles. What I should have been doing is living my life because that makes you a better actor. And then you see this Harry Styles piece and he is living his life so hard. He's like skinny dipping in the ocean. Like, I don't know. He's just, he's this massive celebrity, but he's acting like a 20 something kid.
0: kid. Yeah. And one thing also, Brad Pitt is a very fascinating figure to me. I don't think he's a very good dramatic actor. And I've said this to many people many times. Um, I think that he's an incredible comedic actor. So I'm interested in Ad Astra. But one thing that he talked about how he kind of regrets, I guess, not living his life. And one thing that people have pointed out about him time after time, starting in like the early 90s with his girlfriends, is that he's a mirror boyfriend. Oh. There are many, there's much photographic evidence of him at award shows with all of these girlfriends, starting with like, maybe, I don't know, starting with Gwyneth Paltrow, but like as early as that, we're like. Was he married to Gwyneth when they were no, young? They were, they were just together. Not even engaged. He, beca- he takes on whatever. Chameleon. The personality. Yeah. And so that's interesting because like maybe that was part of it for him too is like, was he living his life just like as himself that whole time?
1: It's fascinating. That is really interesting. Yeah. Well, and. A study. I guess one final – not that it was a time machine effect, but I just – I read the pieces almost back to back, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, like, will Harry Styles someday become Brad Pitt? That kind of thing. Is this a projection into the future? But they both just have suffered terrible heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Angelina Jolie, as we mentioned, and then Harry Styles just had his heart broken by this French model, Camille Rowe. And he said his new album was
0: largely inspired
1: yeah. by like the torment of heartbreak.
0: Oh no, especially by a French woman. Of course. Right? Yeah. I see Harry ended up ending up more like a Bill Murray, I gotta be I I gotta say. <laughs> Cause he lives. He's living, right? Il avian. Maybe mm-hmm. he'll be like McConaughey. I hope that fame doesn't take him in its lethal claws someday. Yeah. Um, what else were we gonna talk about now? I can't even remember. I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> oh, I read a recent uh, profile of Constance Wu, who's the star of Crazy Rich Asians, which is fascinating. Um, I would recommend it. It's in The New Yorker. It was written by a fellow Chinese-American woman. She, she is very particular just in the things that she appreciates and the way she sees herself um, in a way that's really admirable, I think. But it also comes out sometimes in ways that are prickly, and difficult, so I thought it was just a fascinating portrait of a celebrity now, mm-hmm. um, but who does take acting very seriously, almost to the point of being irritating. Um, it's it, it was very very interesting, though, so I highly recommend. Especially, I'm sh- like everyone saw Crazy Rich Asians; it made a bajillion dollars. Um, highly recommend it. She, I think she's going to be around for a while, so I think it was a a good kind of look, a glimpse. At her and her sort of vulnerable side and then her more like carefully curated side like you were saying.
1: Well, that sounds like a great piece of homework for next week. I have noticed that I really like profiles where the writer has a lot of time with the subject so that you can get some like – some. I don't know, low energy moments and then also, like, real Mm off-the-cuff stuff, you know? Or when they're doing an activity, it tends to be so much more fascinating than we have three hours to sit in this room. Just talk. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Like, you do an activity, you're going to find out how someone actually reacts and responds to whatever is going on. Right. And interacts with people, which is the thing that I find most interesting. Yeah, Like, interacting with other people who are not the people – Whose job it is off. to, right, whose job it is to ask questions. So there's authentic representation. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for that homework. Um, yeah. We are uh-huh. going to meet with Iris Lyons <gasps> and Blueberry next week. I'm so excited. So you can stay tuned for that. Iris and is the coolest. Yes, she really is. Thank you to Allison Bamcat for letting us use some of your audio in our podcast this week. We know you love to listen to podcasts while you paint. So Yay. we hope that you're out there working hard.
0: Bye, Allison. Goodbye, Thank Allison. you. <laughs> oh, wait. One more thing. Real quick. Rosie Report. It's not really that serious. But if you jump to Rosie's Instagram, at Rosie, I highly recommend you do. And you find a picture of her daughter, Dakota, holding up a Lego figure of her as Betty Rubble in the Flintstones, the 1994 film. It's the cutest thing.
1: So a Rosie <laughs> Lego? Yeah,
0: a Rosie Lego. We got to get our hands on Put it. Put it on your Christmas list. Add it to your Hanukkah list. Rosie Lego. Alright, I've been Sarah. I've been Molly. This is Poppet. Bye!
1: Have you signed up for this year's Veterans Inc. Run for Veterans 5K on November 2nd? They're expecting more participants than ever before. The race starts at 10 a.m. on Franklin Street with an after party to follow at the beer garden. We hope you'll join us to see if you can outpace the Poppet girls in a 5K.